You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I love it when Christopher Tubbs is always trying to kiss up to Chris Hahn from the Minneapolis Star Tribune with the Mariah Carey. Oh, I this, is, this, is, this is actually one of my favorite Mariah Carey songs. I have no idea the name of the song, but I know that Christopher Tubbs, not Christopher Tubbs, but Christopher Hine from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, who's joining us on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. I know that he knows the name of the song. What is the name, Chris? Make It Happen is what it's called. Make It Happen. Man, yes, th- this is a banger. Uh, this is a banger. That's, it, that, is a, that song is a banger. It's, a, it's actually a song of hers that I never really appreciated when I was younger, but I love it now that I'm a Turn it older. up. Turn it up. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It is a banger. CNC Music Factory on the production. Did they? Um, yep. Yep, they produced a bunch of tracks for her second album, which is where that came from. And uh, they did that in the song Emotions, which is one that you yeah. probably know. Yeah, oh, for sure. That That's a classic. So that was that was one of the other singles from the album. Not as big as Emotions, but still, still a, a really fun song. Love it. Listen, Tubsy, when Chris Hine is rocking out to Mariah, mm-hmm. You don't cut the music until he says so. That's the way this operates. You you understand? Can you smell what Chris Hine is cooking? Come on now. It, it, next time, I'm going to make sure that the song is longer because the cut was only 57 seconds. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a you problem. That is a you problem. I just thought about forward. putting that song in, though. Yeah. I was trying to flip it. That's your bad. Hey, Chris, man, always a pleasure to have you on the show talking Timberwolves basketball. It began last night, 115-108. The T-Wolves did defeat the Oklahoma City Thunder. But in my opinion, man, that was a rough watch. It, there was there were some things to like, but there a lot of things that have to be cleaned up. But this is what we expected, right? We expected this to be a work in progress. I think so. I, I, I don't think we expected it to be quite as nerve-wracking as it was <laughs> in the third quarter last night where you're up 16 against the Thunder. And all of a sudden, by the end of the quarter, you know, it's a tie game, and they had even taken a six-point lead at, at one point. So, you know, it, it did feel like that playoff series a little bit in the building last night where it was like you could just feel the, the angst and the, you know, the, the, the mood just shift inside Target Center. And, you know, a couple boo birds came out of the, out of the woodwork. Um, and... Rudy Gobert was the guy that saved them last night, quite yep. frankly. Um, yep. You know, he, he had that play at the end of the third quarter. His defense around the rim, uh, you know, really helped really helped them out. And he had a big tip-in bucket off of D'Angelo Russell Miss with about four or three minutes left that made it a four-point game. Um, and Oklahoma City never threatened, uh, never had the ball with the, a chance to tie or take the lead after that point. So he was he was instrumental for them. 
Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought up the Rudy floater that I I had no idea. I I didn't. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that just went in, you know, because it didn't. It wasn't like the smoothest, like type of, I guess, fast break or transition bucket. Right. But it was Mm -hmm. something that jump started everybody into the fourth quarter in terms of feeling like that, that sigh of relief. Right. And it was one of those. It was an energy. It was an energy basket to close out the quarter. My question is this, though, and I mentioned this on Timberwolves tonight in the postgame last night, is that that was the moment to me of ultimate energy and excitement for Wolves fans to get to jumpstart the quarter. But last season, there were two guys on this roster that were all about tenacity and being dogs and bringing the energy every single night. And that was Pat Bev and it was Jarrett Vanderbilt. Jarrett Vanderbilt was so valuable for this team last year, and you knew what you were going to get out of him and Patrick Beverly. And Pat Bev, sometimes he overdid it, but he always gave you that tenacity and that effort and just that that he jump-started you know, and got the people, people excited. Who's going to be that guy for the Wolves? Because last night you didn't see it or you didn't feel it. Yeah, and that's that's one of the big questions that you know the the beat writers that we've been asking the team is kind of who is that guy this year? You know, is it is it Ant? Is Ant going to be that guy? Um, you know, we've seen D'Lo. Uh, he's not. That's not really his his personality on the floor. Carl. Sometimes I think when Carl plays with a lot of energy, he overdoes it. I think, you know, yeah. and he gets he gets outside of himself uh, when when he's more calm, cool and collected. I think he, he tends to play better um, when he's not trying to overdo it out there. And Rudy, Rudy, uh, you know, he, again, he's not, doesn't, not really an energetic personality. So it, it, where do you get that from? And I think it's probably got to come from Ant. You know, yeah. I think he's the emotional heartbeat of the team in a lot of ways. And at least for the crowd, he is. You know, because nobody affects the nobody affects the crowd like Anthony Edwards does. Um, so I think it's probably got to be him. Talking to a Timberwolves beat writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Chris Hine here on the Lake Show on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Give him a follow uh, on Twitter at Christopher Hine, but more importantly, check out his fine work for the Star Tribune. Last night, Ant, not a good night. Last night, Carl Anthony Towns, not a good night. W- w- why do you think that their nights? Um, to kick off the season last night were so dull? Was it just the whole, like, you know, we got something going with Rudy and we're going to keep feeding him, or just was it the foul trouble for Ant? How did you kind of read that last night? Yeah, it's hard to tell. Ant kind of picked up where he left off at the rest of the preseason. He didn't have a, a good close to the preseason when it came to shooting percentages and things like that. Um, you know, He's trying to, I think, try to take it to, to the hole more, but I still saw him settling for a lot of a decent amount of mid-range last night, which is what they're trying to get him away from. Um, with Carl, um, he was definitely in distributor mode early on. I think in the first quarter, he only had one shot attempt and five assists. So I think he was kind of more trying to do that part of his game, especially when he was playing with Rudy, because it actually was working early on. Um as for his shot selection, you know, he, he he got a little frustrated, I think, with, with how Oklahoma City was guarding him, which was like kind of with almost more small, physical, under undersized people, which is almost like the recipe to frustrate him when it comes to scoring anymore. 
Um, you know, so I think with with getting Rudy so involved, that was part of the plan because Oklahoma City was such a small team that they felt like they had an advantage down there inside, and and it did work. Um, ultimately, it got, it, helped, it got them a win. Um, but you know, when it comes to to Carla and scoring, we know that they're generally going to be okay, but. Um, you just don't want to see them both on the same night struggle as they did. Uh, I think they only combined for six field goals between the two of them. So, um, you know, it's early in the season, still filling each other out. You know, we'll see if that gets better moving forward. You know, Chris, it was impressive to see Rudy's night, 23 points and 16 boards. But the most impressive stat to me that he had was <laughs> the fact that he had one foul. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this guy is just, he's a monster, man. Like, like the, the defensive player of the year awards and stuff that he's racked up, but one foul? Seriously? And I know that he wasn't playing Akeem Olajuwon or David Robinson. I know it's, it's the Thunder. But at the end of the day, that still was impressive. But that's that's one of the things that I think is underrated. Is I, I watched him several times last night when guys were going to the rim. And just the way he played defense, altered the shot without fouling, making guys miss. That is that is what he brings. That is his his art, so to speak, out there on the floor. Um, and I thought there were times where I thought, oh, he's going to foul this guy, or they're going to call a foul here, and they didn't call a foul. Um, he's able to play it so well without fouling. It it really is remarkable to watch. We've seen Carl try to rim protect at times, and I think Carl ends up fouling much more often. Uh, in those situations, but Rudy, it's he's it's it's like a work of art when he's up there. It, it really is like something that he has perfected, and it came up huge in the third and fourth quarter at times last night because there were times Oklahoma City looked like they were about to take an even bigger lead or or you know retake the lead, and somebody would go in there and and Rudy would just force a miss, and whether he blocked the shot or not, he was still forcing the miss and. That's something that they really haven't had on this team uh, in previous years, and the main reason why they got him. You know, Chris, something surprised me last night, and I, and I know that this, when you look at this team, Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and Rudy and Cat and D'Lo and all, I get all of that, but I was surprised, a DMP for Nas Reed. Uh, what was that about? Um, good question. I uh, didn't really get to ask Chris Finch about that. Uh, I wasn't at practice today, but um, we, this is kind of what we had feared, I think, uh, with him. And we were wondering throughout the preseason, where were minutes going to be for Nas Reed? Um, you know, it's just hard to pencil it in. We, we've, we've heard Chris Finch and even Ryan Saunders before him talk about wanting to play Nas alongside Carl Anthony Towns. And they, they would always talk about, say, we got to, both of them used to say, we got to do it more often, but they would never really do it in practice. Um, you know, they would never actually put them out there for extended minutes. So I'm just wondering if the idea is to have Carl and Rudy on the floor, one of them on the floor at all times, where is Nas going to fit in with that? Now, maybe it, maybe it was because Oklahoma City was smaller and it might have been a little harder for Nas to guard at the four. Maybe it was a matchup-based thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, asking, him, asking him to guard the four might have been a little more difficult last night than it is against other teams. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But you're right. I noticed that early. Like, there, there were ten guys in the game at one point or that had earned minutes at one point, and Nas was not, uh, was not in there. So it's definitely something worth monitoring going forward. 
I definitely love the role that Jalen Noel is going to have on this team. Like I, I, I like his, I like his game. I like that he's a, a walking bucket. Um, I think that he, I think that at times he's going to be able to play a little bit more on the ball in terms of like bring the ball down and, and play a little side of, of a point guard. But I just, I think he's going to flourish hopefully with this team this year. Torian Prince, I like the minutes they got out of him last night. Um, Kyle Anderson, kind of an interesting night for him. I know that he grabbed six rebounds. Uh, he's never going to be a guy that's going to do a ton offensively, but he just seemed a little disjointed and trying to find his way last night as well. Yeah, and I, it's gonna it's gonna take some time there to just you know ingrain himself with the team as well. I, I'm with you on Jalen Noel. He's looked fantastic throughout the preseason. He's in a contract year. You know, he, he's downplayed it, but he's trying to get paid. You know, this he, he's he's motivated. This this is his time to, to earn major minutes on a, on an every night basis. And I thought he looked great last night. He looked great throughout the preseason. I think a big year is in store for him. Uh, Torian Prince, I, I think, just looks so comfortable playing his role on this team since the second half of last year. You know, it took him a while to get acclimated to kind of what Finch wanted him to do. Uh, they, they've both spoken about it in the past, you know, just how Torian got back to the floor by just playing defense. The, the shot came around for him at some point last year, and now I think he's he's just in a in a in a good groove with what his role is, what the Wolves want him to do, how he approaches that every day. Uh, I think he hit his first four shots last night. Um, you know, big boost in the first half to help them big that uh, build that lead. So. I think he's, you know, he's in, he's in line for a really solid year as well because I just think he's a really great fit for everything that they're looking for out of somebody in that kind of three three role off the bench. Yeah. Final thing for you, Kristen. We'll let you go. Uh, what do you think is uh, flowing through the mind of Rudy Gobert as he's getting ready to to face his old team so early in the season, the, the Utah Jazz here at Target Center, the uh, the place where he made his uh, he made his name. He made his name in Utah. He's facing that old team. I know it'll probably be pretty emotional for him to face them. Um, not as emotional as when he actually travels and goes to Utah. But your thoughts just on on him facing them tomorrow night? Yeah, I think you're right. Probably not as emotional as when he goes back to Utah, which I think is in December. Um, but he said it's going to be weird. There's going to be an element of weirdness. So maybe it's a good thing that you get it out of the way this early in the season, second game. Um, so it, we'll see how he reacts. He's, he's, he's a cool, he's a cool guy out there on the court in terms of his demeanor and attitude. Right. So I wouldn't expect him to, you know, have any kind of different emotions or whatever, at least outwardly display it. But he definitely says there's going to be some weird feelings, even if a lot of the people on the other sideline, um, are different this year than even just a year ago when he was there. Yep. Hey, give him a follow on Twitter at Christopher Heim, but uh, he's always a pleasure to have on the show and break it down all things Wolves, being the beat writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Uh, Chris Hine joining us here, courtesy of the John Schuster Cola Banker Hotline. Hey, Chris, uh, we'll talk to you later, man, and we'll see you at Target Center. Sounds good, Henry. Thanks so much. All right, take care. That's Christopher Hine joining us here on The Lake Show. Love, Chris. All right, so coming up next, we'll take a look at the scoreboard and – the moment that I look up at the hockey and I get excited, then I get depressed. Scoreboard with Christopher Tubbs next on The Lake Show. All right, we're back at it here on The Lake Show. It's time for Scoreboard. Next segment, we'll talk 
football with Matthew Collar. There's no bye week for Matthew Collar. He joins us next. Let's get to a score. All right, let's get to it, H. Lake. Let's uh, start with the ice since uh, we do have a team in St. Paul that is currently in action. And the Minnesota Wild had a one to nothing lead, but uh, we liked that. We we liked that. We don't like what we saw next, as uh, the Canucks scored, and we are currently tied at one with about nine minutes left to go in the first period over at the X. The Wild are out shooting Vancouver ten to four too. Like the Wild have had the tilted ice in the first three games, but not a good save percentage for the Flower. Let, let me just go ahead and say this right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just going to bring some attention her way. J- we gotta win tonight, mm-hmm. or else I am going to enforce a ban on Jesse Pierce going to Taco Bell pregame. The code is post game. She went pregame today because she's trying to somehow, some way, she feels like they're jinxed, and she said, "I'm gonna switch it up." No, you well, didn't run it by the family, Jesse. Well, hey, did she go post game with the first three losses? Like, did she go? She post-game? always goes post game. That's like a thing. Okay. It, it's it's post game. Her post game, Dane. Yeah. After this show tonight, I might go make the Taco Bell run. Okay. Although the game won't be over, but I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can understand where she'd want to make a pregame run to switch things up. I totally get that. I mean, they're zero three when she when. Made the, the postgame run switch. I can understand why we she went to won. the postseason with the postgame runs last year. What are you talking about? Well, maybe she just <laughs> she's trying to do her mojo for this year. Yeah, but anyway, it's one uh, one uh, halfway through the first period. Elsewhere in the NHL, the Ducks and the Bruins tied at one. Predators over the Blue Jackets two to nothing. Uh, Coyotes getting shut out by the Canadiens four to nothing in the second period. Sharks and Rangers tied at two, as are the Capitals and the Senators. The Penguins also shutting out the Kings four to nothing at the Igloo. Stars and Maple Leafs tied at one. Devils and Islanders scoreless. They are just underway in the second period. We do have uh, ALCS game number two going on at Minute Maid Park in Houston. They're in the top of the third inning. It is uh, Framber Valdez and uh, Luis Severino. Right now it is scoreless. As they are in the top of the third inning, the Astros leading that series one game to none. Tomorrow night, of course, uh, game three of the NLCS. Uh, that shifts to Philadelphia. That series right now between the Padres and the Phillies tied at one game apiece. So uh, that game, uh, game three tomorrow in Philadelphia. Let's go. To well, the- who are you rooting for? Uh, and I got to ask that question because we really don't have a dog in the fight. I feel like like. All of our teams are just out of it. But who who do you want to see win? I kind of like to see the Padres because they haven't been to the World Series, I think, since 98. Okay. And, I mean, the Phillies have been there in... They won it when Ryan Howard was there. Yeah, I want to say like, oh, eight, I think they won it. Cause my right around there because it was Ryan Howard and, and what's name was still alive? Uh, who was the pitcher that died in the plane? Uh, Roy Holiday. Roy Holiday, yeah. Yep. And, and my buddy Chris Coast... Uh, was a 33-year-old rookie on that team as well. So nice. uh, my buddy Chris Coast uh, was uh, was on that team. Now the uh, head coach of the Concordia Cobber baseball team up in uh, Moorhead. Uh, in the NFL, hey, look at this. We've got score. Wait, a touch, a touchdown was scored tonight. On a Thursday night a football. Thursday wow. Night. Shocker. Wow. The New Orleans Saints scored a touchdown. 
uh, a Shahid 53-yard touchdown reception off the uh, arm of, uh, I believe it's Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, yes, sir. I don't have that in front of me, okay? No, it's Andy Dalton. He's two for two tonight, 59 yards and a touch. woo Look at that, a bard burner in the desert. 7-3 Saints, uh, 11 minutes left. Who dat? Oh, man, nah, nah. Who dat? Boo dat. That's what I say, boo dat. And uh, finally, in the NBA, we got two games going on tonight. The uh, Clippers and the Lake Show, as they like to... The Lake Show, baby. Yeah, yeah, they're not the Lake Show. They're a Lake Show. Uh, right now, we're at halftime in Game One. The Bucks over the Sixers, forty-seven, forty-five. Giannis with thirteen for the Bucks, and uh, Joel Embiid fifteen points, nine boards in that game so far for the Philadelphia 76ers. So uh, that's what we've got going on right now in uh, terms of a scoreboard. Nice. I just going to wrap up the scoreboard. Coming up next, though. We talk National Football League with our guy that covers Minnesota Viking football, Purple Insider himself, Matthew Collar, on the Lake Show. I'm already disappointed. <laughs> oh, Christopher Tubbs. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. I'm so happy to, because uh, I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks, I'm so happy to have... My dear friend, Matthew Collar, Mr. Purple Insider, on the show tonight via the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline and talk Minnesota Viking football and National Football League um, just in general because it is a bye week for the Vikings. But I'm disappointed, Chris, because we haven't opened for, for one Matthew Collar and you didn't play it. And I'm sure that Matthew Collar is probably not um, happy with you either. I didn't even know we had it open. Matthew? Uh, I almost hung up with rage. Yeah. Huh. <sighs> okay. I will look for it. I, I just I believe this is disrespect. I'm demanding a trade. There's got to be an FM station that'll acquire me. No, 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 no. You shouldn't get traded from stations. You you should you should be trading the producer of this show to another show. So who do I get? I don't know, man. Like uh, your your name's on the show. I think you got to take some responsibility there. I got to take responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me, like me taking the, me, me taking responsibility for him making a mistake is like Joe Biden having to take all the slings and arrows from everybody about the the uh, the gasoline prices. Okay, well, let me put it. Let me put it this way, though. <laughs> there was there was a you, you were in the break. Could you have said to Chris, "Hey, are you going to play Matt's Open?" I was doing weather. See. You go, oh, okay, see, that's excuses, and in football, we don't allow excuses. See, but what were you doing for the first four minutes before those, before the weather? So that's my fault? It's my fault that you didn't play the Open. You that's fine. To, you, you know you, what? You, you, I'll take it, because I'm not in the excuse-making business. I'm, I'm like Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's my nuke. That's my, you have to that's keep my me fraternity on, brother. You have to keep me and in check. I'm like this. I'm like this. I'm like, I'm down with Mike Tomlin. That's my guy. I'm going to pull a Tomlin here. I, you know what? I, ain't, ain't no excuses, <laughs> but... This ain't going to happen moving forward. <laughs> I guarantee it. Well, you just make adjustments. That's all. Yeah, we'll make adjustments. <laughs> How you been, man? I missed you the last couple of weeks. I'm good. You talk about disrespect. I saw no no texts, no phone calls from you, no, not even, like, favoriting any of my amazing tweets. I was like, what's going on here? Is Henry not, like, football anymore? But, uh, no, I'm good. I'm nah, good. man, I've been a little busy, man. Last Thursday – uh, were you in? I, I don't. I, I should have just assumed that you might have been joining Stevie T because I was out last Thursday. I was at a charity event, you know, doing what I do, and I should have uh, just assumed that you and Stevie T had a good chat. Maybe he didn't call you. I don't know. 
Uh, we didn't do it last week, but, you know, I mean, Thursday Night Football has been so incredible that I was probably captivated by that as well. I actually wanted to start there. Uh, Matt, we all love football, man. Like, like, And Matthew loves football. Like, at, He'll hit me with, like, football emojis. Like, And I never really hit him back with the football emojis because I'm like, that's his thing. It's not my thing. But he loves football. He's football. Man, Thursday Night Football is a train wreck. Thursday night football is – no, it's awful. You, you got to admit, as much as you love football, it's awful, dude. These matchups oh, are awful. Travesty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a – like right now, there was a touchdown by the Saints, and it was actually exciting, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's actually a one exciting play on Thursday night football. Uh, yeah, you know, this slate, I think that there have been some games that they would have expected to have been way better than they were. I mean, Indianapolis against Denver a couple weeks ago – I don't think that back when the schedule was set in May or June, any of us would have said, oh, that's going to be a trash game. But as far as getting your audience to be captivated to, you know, sign up for Amazon Prime other than just the free trial and actually keep it to watch Thursday Night Football, um, it might be a little bit hard to justify with some of the matchups. But the thing is that, like, the NFL, they just have – so many networks that they're dealing with and a lot of national TV networks, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and this on all different networks. And they all want prime matchups, right? And I mean, you can't give it to everybody. So sometimes you are going to end up with Arizona, New Orleans, which again, you know, might've looked like initially on paper, it would be a pretty good matchup, but instead it's kind of like a, a garbage football game. So yes, I will of course watch all of these games, uh, but it has not been a compelling start for the folks over at Amazon. And it's a, a tough break for them. You know, they just had nothing ever go their way at Amazon. But but this is the thing, though, about it, Matthew, and we're talking to Matthew Collins from Purple Insider here on The Lake Show. Maybe Richard Sherman, I think it was Richard Sherman, whoever it was a few years ago when they were still, when they were playing, just flat out said that, I don't care who you put on Thursday nights, the games are not going to be as entertaining. They won't be as good because it's just not enough time for guys to recover. Yeah, I mean, I've always really despised the idea of Thursday night football unless teams were coming off of a bye, which they don't seem to ever care about trying to do, um, because not only do they not have time to prepare, I mean, really, like, you get done with a game on Sunday, they come back on Monday, it's usually recovery and going over what happened the previous game, and then on Tuesday, the coaches develop the game plan, on Wednesday, they start teaching it, but then it's game time already, (laughs) so there's, like, not any time to get through an entire week. So they kind of have to rely on a lot of their base stuff or trying to get ahead uh, the previous week you know, on their next opponent. But there isn't a whole lot of scouting that can really be done. And also the recovery element, uh, I'm not – I mean, think about when Tua got hurt. When did he get hurt? A Thursday night football game, right, yep. where he got his head slammed into the, into the turf and didn't have a full recovery from the previous week when he had clearly been concussed and they threw him out there anyway. So, you know, I think that the NFL is sitting here saying, oh, yeah, we care a lot about player safety and concussions and everything else, and then they're doing the most dangerous thing possible (laughs) by throwing the guys back out there. But look at the dollar figures. Look at what Amazon paid to have this. Look at the money that comes in with advertising and everything else that goes along with the NFL. I mean, this was just another opportunity for them to make money, and I don't think they care at all. I mean, I, I was with Richard Sherman 100%. I don't think this should be happening, but they know everybody's going to watch, so they're going to do whatever they want. 
What do you make of the 5-1 and one start for the Minnesota Vikings? And I'm not talking about just based on the record, because clearly 5-1 and one is a great start to the season. But, but you know, regardless of, of the record, how they got to the record, um, just the games in general, how they played, the level of play, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I did an article just today, and part of it was looking at 2021 through the first six games and 2022 through the first six games. The Vikings were 3-3 three and three last year, and you know this year, like you said, 5-1. and one. But the thing that made me laugh out loud was that the Vikings, on a per-play basis, were a better offense and defense through six games and had a worse record, in part because – they fumbled in overtime in Cincinnati, and they missed a field goal against Arizona in Week 2. And otherwise, they would have been 5-1 and one last year uh, with the way they started. But last year, they had more penalties. They had a worse turnover ratio at the beginning of the season. And things have really had to go the Vikings' way. And not only that, but the Vikings played harder opponents last year in the first few weeks of the season. Uh, In my mind, they've played no one difficult that they've beaten. Uh, And the only hard game they played, they lost handily to the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's a lot of reason to sit here and say, this is just not an impressive 5-1 and one football team. And there's a lot of holes here, and there's a lot of things that need to be fixed if they're going to be better. But that's the other side of this is they've got a bye week. They've got an opportunity to figure out why the offense has been so inconsistent and why we've seen Kirk Cousins look uncomfortable uh, so many times. I saw a quote from Adam Thielen saying that Cousins is the most comfortable he's ever been, and I just don't know what planet that comes from. I think he's the least comfortable that he's been really since 2018 uh, in this offense, and from that perspective, they've gotten the worst version of Cousins and still been 5-1, and one, which gives them an opportunity, I think, to fix a lot of things going into the second half, and if you look at the schedule uh, there's some teams that maybe have surprised, like the Jets and Giants, that now look a little more difficult than they might have before. And so I think in order to repeat the results, they're going to have to be a much better version of themselves than they were to get to 5-1. and one. All right, Matthew Collar, give me this a two-part question. Uh, most impressive thing that you've seen with the team to this point in the season and the, uh, I, I guess the, the thing that you look at and you say it's the most concerning? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that the most impressive, it's just not really a hot take, but it's that Justin Jefferson is still just unstoppable. Uh, He's continuing to put up numbers no matter how much everybody knows that the ball is going to Justin Jefferson every single week. Uh, the, The fact that for two weeks teams thought they found something with him and then instantly that was blown into smithereens with three amazing games from him. Uh, He has more yards through 39 games in his career than Randy Moss did, um, which I know it's, you know, adjust for era, but still, like, that's the type of things that he's doing. And I, and I also think that he impressively works through the difficulties without making a public thing of it. I'm, I'm sort of laughing at Elijah Moore demanding a trade here and, like, Justin Jefferson handling, <laughs> you know, those couple of weeks uh, in such a mature way. You know, I, I think that was really good for him. And he communicated behind the scenes what he thought needed to happen. And, and so I've just, you know, continued to be incredibly impressed with Jefferson as, uh, as a teammate, as the way he handles himself and everything else. Um, there's a lot of other things that haven't been so impressive. Oh, and I'll throw in the punter. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I have never seen someone kick the ball 73 yards in the air. Uh, but, uh, you know, aside from that, I think the secondary, Patrick Peterson's been pretty good. Cam Dantzler's had his moments. But their pass coverage in general has been just absolutely horrendous. I mean, one of the worst pass defenses in the league, hands down. 
on pace to give up uh, 4,600 yards over the season. Couldn't, couldn't slow down at times Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson last week. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a lot to be worried about with the secondary, especially if either of the starting corners get banged up because it has just been a major problem. I mean, even as they were pressuring the quarterback last week, they still couldn't stop Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill uh, last week. And I think, you know, you're going to play Terry McLaurin, you're going to play CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs. Like, there's a lot of guys coming that if they don't figure out some answers there are going to be major problems in the future. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, joining us here on The Lake Show, Newstalk 830-WCCO. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Collar. Who's the best team in the National Football League? Oh, I I don't even think it's remotely close. It's the Buffalo Bills, and then there's a pretty decent-sized gap, and then it's Kansas City. And I know Kansas City played really, really well against them and had a chance to win that game, but player for player, roster for roster, the Bills, I think, are – are much stronger. I mean, they went into Arrowhead and won that game. Uh, and, you know, they've been without some players, too, and it just does not matter. They've got lots of weapons, a good offensive line, a great defense, great coaching. They've got everything. Um, I mean, they are, I think by football outsiders metrics, the top offensive and defensive team in the league. And you don't, you don't run across that very often. That's like when I was growing up in the 90s Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's pretty its pretty clear that there's only three or four legitimately great teams, and yep. then there's a lot of teams with an argument. I mean, it's, it's them, it's Kansas City, it's Philly, and then it's a lot of question marks for pretty much everybody else. I agree. I agree with you. I, I, I think that those three teams are in a category all by themselves. I think they clearly Buffalo is the best team. In the in the league right now, but I think that Kansas City can win the win the whole thing. I think that Philadelphia has proven themselves to this point. Um, Jalen Hurts is quite frankly better than what everybody expected him to be. So those three, and it's funny because when I looked at the, um, uh, there was a a segment yesterday uh, on NFL Live in which they laid out all the teams that are three and three in the in the league. I mean. Half the league is three and three. Like it's just the parity this year, man, is just it's wild. No, it really is, and I, and I, you know, I do think that the NFL, mm, uh, not to be conspiratorial here, but like I think they want it to be that way by taking some of the better teams and loading up their schedules early, and then allowing them to separate later. Uh, Cincinnati is one of those teams. I think Cincinnati is a very, very good team that will eventually put themselves maybe in that second tier right behind Buffalo as the season goes along, but they had a tough schedule. They lost some very close games to begin the season, and you know I think that they are a, still a legitimate contender to get back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, but this is the league, right? Like, this is kind of how the NFL always is, and those, those middling records give everybody hope. Hey, if you just get in the playoffs, which history says, is pretty unusual for bad teams to get in the playoffs and go win and, and so forth. Um, but it's kind of like the, it's kind of the status of the league because of just the fact that the, the, the quarterback play and the quarterback injuries uh, have been, you know, the, the play overall has just been very poor outside of a couple of quarterbacks. And I was even looking at PFF grades and comparing them to the first six weeks of just how quarterbacks have played. It's not your imagination. The like, quarterbacks have played a lot worse if you're not named Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, or Jalen Hurts. And I think as the season goes along and the adjustments happen, and you know maybe some teams either start to really drop off or some quarterbacks start to emerge, maybe like a Zach Wilson or something, but some younger quarterbacks, I, this might just be what the league is this year, where we have 
you know, 10 teams that are fighting for seven playoff spots or something because there's so much mediocrity. Yeah. Hey, uh, always a pleasure, Matthew. Let's, uh, let's talk next week, my man. Sounds good, Henry. Thanks, man. All right, take care. That's Matthew Collar joining us here talking Minnesota Viking football. Mr. Purple Insider himself here on The Lake Show. All right, we'll take a break, wrap up the hour next. I just feel dirty, and I'm going to tell you why I feel dirty. I feel dirty because I'm rooting for the Houston Astros. I want the Houston Astros to beat down the New York Yankees. I do. And I know we can sit here and talk about cheaters this and cheaters that. There's only one person I want to see get a ring this year. That's Dusty Baker. That's it, man. I know that you're an Astros guy. I lived in Houston. God, let it go. Okay? Elsa. I need to text my I need to text my cousin Tony down in Houston and be like, oh, you at the game? Stop. Gosh. Such a you're such a nincompoop. <laughs> nincompoop. <laughs> oh, coming up next, something really interesting from former vice president <laughs> Mike Pence. We get to it next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.